It's the Super 90s Brothers! If you are Scottish Lord, then I am Mickey Mouse! Welcome to the Super 90s Brothers, Ow! where we do hazy memory riffs on the most bitchin' decade ever. I'm your host, Brennan Pointer, along with me is Adam J. Pitzler, and today we're talking about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Ow! It says I have trouble responding. Yep, you, and <laughs> you're on cue. <laughs> um, well, welcome back. We had a, we had like a two-week... Uh, delay or hiatus hiatus, uh due to you know reasons unknown but uh we're back we're back and we're actually doing our first 80s movie since our very first episode like we're doing a movie from 1989 um but before we get into that how you been dude doing fine we're getting through a heat wave here in california it was really really hot uh like 108 degrees over the weekend um, so I guess the whole West coast been dealing with that, but that's yep. over. So that's yep. good. Cause that sucked. Um, what about you? We're in the middle of it. still. it's 97 degrees here today in Spokane, which is, uh, which is hot. Yeah. We're getting into a, uh, what do they call that? A drought. We're in a drought. I imagine you're in a drought too in California. Um, California's so- California is in a perpetual state of drought. Like, yeah, uh, sometimes they'll tell you for a few months. Oh, by the way, no more drought restrictions. It's like, okay, but it has barely rained this year. They're like, oh, we're still in a drought. You just don't have drought restrictions. Okay. So, yeah. But other than that, I'm staying cool in my nice AC house. Um, and, you know, really thanking the Lord that um, I have AC because in, in apparently in Washington, it's like pretty normal for people not to have AC because you don't, you only need AC for like really three weeks out of the year other than that, that like must be a west side of the state thing because i was using my ac in spokane all the time that's true yeah spokane a lot more ac than in seattle our friends in seattle if you don't have ac and it's 97 degrees you're hating life right now but you can like go to the ocean that's true you can go to the ocean or the sound um you can go swim in the sound um, Why do people always feel the name to differentiate the sound and the bay with the ocean? I, I've, I've never like to me like salt water is salt water, but people always want to use a different word because it sounds different. It's like a different ecosystem. Yeah, I know, but it's still the ocean, right? Like, is like it if, the ocean or is it the sound? I, well, to, that, I guess that's what I'm arguing. Anything with salt water is the ocean, isn't it? I, I, I would assume. I would assume that the water that's just west of Seattle would be considered the ocean, but you, no matter who you talk to in Seattle, they always call it the sound. <laughs> One of the reasons why I left. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know what? We usually do this at the end of the show, but I wanted to uh, do it at the beginning. We uh, we have, Brennan and I are on a surge of popularity. Really, like, um, just a totalitarian rise of triumph uh, you know, not unlike 
Patrick Dempsey movies of the 80s, which Brennan and I used to reference a lot on our old podcast. Brennan and I were dorky losers, and we could only hope to date the hottest girl in school. But then, thanks to, to a them. lot of money. Them, though. Yeah, yeah. We have yeah. to pay them, though, of course. Well, if Sorry. we pay the girl, yeah. Or yes. if we, if we, if the girls like pizza with extra anchovies. Do you remember that one? Where he yes. was like a gigolo? Anyway, yeah. well, the point is, Brennan and I's popularity on the pe- the podcast medium here has soared much in large thanks to you awesome studs and your kick-ass five-star reviews and following us on all the socials and all the mediums. And so we just want to say thank you guys and keep it up. Keep giving us those bitchin' five-star reviews. Keep sharing us on social media. Keep liking our stuff on Facebook and sending us messages and telling like your girlfriend, I don't need to hang out with you. I have the Super 90s bros. You know, I'll never be alone with them. Keep doing stuff like that because it keeps keeps helping our Q rating. Right, Brennan? Absolutely. Our so Q anyway, rating. You can I don't follow know what that us, is. <laughs> you can follow us at Super 90s Bros. Super 90s Brothers at gmail.com, all spelled out. You can check me out at adampitzler.com. And uh, anything else, Brennan? No. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And yeah, keep on. Uh, yeah. Follow us on uh, on our socials. That that would that that'd be a big help for us. So, OK, but and we've gotten really and we've gotten really active on our Instagram. Abby, uh, Abby's Adam's wife, Jill, has been helping us with our social media and she's been doing a great job. So uh, keep up the good work, Jill. Hey, thanks for the plug. Yeah. Um, so check us out. Interact with us. We'd love to interact with you guys. But today we're talking about maybe one of the best franchises probably top 10 franchises ever made right i mean i would say it's probably one of the top five greatest franchises ever made you might be right franchises i'm saying i'm saying franchise is weird what's but the yeah. name of that franchise brennan it is indiana jones Ow. and what, what uh, are we talking about today well, we're talking about the one that's closest to the 90s. We're talking about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the, the final Indiana Jones movie ever made. And when did it debut? It de- debuted May 24th, 1989, with a budget of $48 million and a total box office of $474 million. So almost, uh, is that that's 10 times the amount of the budget? So that's not, pretty good. Not quite, but $400 million plus profit? Holy yeah. shit. Yes. And on a budget of 48 million, like this movie, if it was made today, like, I mean, I'm sure the inflation is like, this is movie was made for probably like close to 300 million of today's money. Um, I don't know if I'd inflate that much, but I get your point. It seems like it would cost, it would cost a lot more than $48 million today. Yeah. To make this movie. Um, but, but still it made 475 million since then. Like it's made 430 million dollars, dude. Part 3 of Indiana Jones has made 430 million dollars. It's it's insane. It really really is insane. And uh, I mean but and I will say like I saw this movie in the theater. So this so uh, we Ow. will say like we are the 90s um the super 90s brothers. We are kind of kind of start dipping into some older like to later in 80s movies because all those movies that came out in the late 80s like really bled into the 90s. Like I mean even it's though this like, isn't a it's 90s like the movie, 80s were right before the 90s. It's like that. But like as a 90s kid, like I mean I probably watched this movie more in the 90s than I did in the 80s. Well, I would hope <laughs> <laughs> that's a, such a dumb that'd thing be really hard to do <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but, uh, so how, so you saw it in the theater. Tell us your theater story. I was so I was a 1989. I must have been four, five years old, four years old, um, four or five, four or five. And uh, I my grandfather took me to go see this with some neighbor kids. He took me to go see it at the at the theater in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and this was like the summer. I just remember seeing a ton of movies like I would I was seeing I, I had seen I don't know if Back to the Future came out after this, but I went and saw Back to the Future Part Two. Um, we had talked. To, like, I sent you a, a screenshot of all the movies that came out in the 19, 1989, and it was like a hit list of my childhood. It was like Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, um, Honey, Batman. I blew up. No, Honey, I blew up. Not blew up. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Batman. Batman, which is the, I think was a number one movie of the year. Um, and then there's just a ton of other movies. But yeah, this was a. Uh, this was one I have my one of my earliest movie memories of going to the theater and seeing this. It was it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before to, to see a this movie like it was because it was bigger than life. Like it was Indiana Jones. I knew Indiana Jones because um, like most kids or most parents did. If you got HBO in this like for like two weeks, sometimes you would then record like All whatever. All of them, and so I would have. Um, we had Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and we had um, Temple of Temple. Doom, and and so I was seeing this movie for the first time in the theater, seeing an Indiana Jones movie in the in the theater for the first time, and it was just it was every little boy's dream. And th this movie is just action packed. I mean, it's the nonstop. We, it's nonstop every ten minutes, and it, this is like. Uh, this was for a reason to keep people entertained, but like every 10 minutes, there's another action sequence. And, uh, it's a, it's a good, uh, it's a really, I enjoy this movie a lot. Yeah. So what, what do you, do you remember your impressions when you saw it as a little four year old with your bucket of I, popcorn in your hand? My biggest impression was, uh, the ending scene, the ending scene where the, the guy like drinks out of the wrong, uh, Holy grail cup. Yeah. And he, and he turns from a a live person to a skeleton and then like disappears like that really stuck with me like watching him this like die and like right. being like a five-year-old kid like that was you know that imprinted, that imprinted on me i don't know if i was like scared it was just more like what the fuck like yeah, that but, is that's intense while we're talking about all three movies though don't you think that's almost the more PG friendly version of the same thing that happens when the Nazi guy melts in the first Indiana Jones movie? Like, don't 100%. you? Yeah, yeah. Don't you think that when the Nazi guy melts in the first Indiana Jones, it's even grosser and nastier? Yeah, for some reason that didn't hasn't stuck with me as much as this one did. Like, it's probably because you didn't see it live in the theater. Yeah, like, I probably watched it on my. Came out before you were born. That's true. I you know I probably watched that on like my twenty inch like tube tv yeah that's what i remember i remember seeing that nazi melting scene but i remember seeing it on like an old grandma tube tv or something so it was all grainy and pixelated and looked like shit if i had seen that in the theater who knows how it might have affected me or if i had even seen it in like a nice hd tv right um did you see this movie in the theater were you going to the movies yet i was going to the movies yet already but i only remember going to see kitty movies in the theater which is really odd mm. because i remember watching a lot of adult movies at home and i, I i'm not 
I'm not trying to make a, a broad sweeping generalization or anything, but we were more of the rental family than we were the going mm. to the theater family. Um, yeah. I, you know, around this time in my life, we weren't really the happy family unit. So uh, y- you could rent movies and not all have to spend the time together. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> you could rent right. movies, bring them home, and then, then <laughs> like your dad could still leave or whatever. <laughs> and the rest of you could have a nice time. Um. Huh. I mean, yeah. So, did you did do you remember renting this and then watch it? Because it probably. I mean, so I will say to give context to like movies coming out, like in today's world, like you. Well, today's world is such a. I can't even. It's like movies come out immediately on streaming, whatever. But like back in the eighties, movies would come to the theater. They'd be there for probably sometimes six. I mean, if it's a good movie, sometimes six months. If a little bit less and then you'd have to wait like almost another year or another like eight or nine months before it came out on vhs because like because it was they were putting on vhs which took a lot longer than putting it on dvd and so there was like a long wait so if you did not see this movie in the theater in 1989 you probably weren't seeing this movie on until 1990 until 1990 and then probably not until like christmas time or holiday time of 1990 because they also timed them so people would get them when they were uh get the movies when it was like you know holiday season to buy them yeah for like and, that, and, and that's that's likeliest what happened to me i definitely owned it on a vhs like you were just mentioning where you recorded everything on hbo i owned it on something like that mm-hmm. so i owned it from the early 90s forever on this vhs and it was always one of my favorite movies to just put on because like you said there was so much action it was just such a fun fast upbeat you know, kind of, um, action movie. Like it was just, it's, it's a perfect movie for a little boy. Yeah, no, it, it, it really is. Cause like, I mean, it was a very mat, like a very, you know, yeah. I mean, Indiana Jones is like a, a player, like, uh, I would not Play-a? say, he, I wouldn't say he's a player. Well, it's funny. This thing, like, he's like, a am I would say an American James Bond, but like they purposely never really wrote him as like being a, uh, like a James Bond, like having like, but he gets laid in like every one, doesn't he? Does he? I don't. Does he get laid in part four? Well, I, 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 he gets married at the end of part four to Karen Allen. Okay, and, so good uh, enough. That that includes yeah, a lane. So. Every every <laughs> man knows you get at least one if you get married. But there is like in every Indiana Jones movie, there is, uh, there is a lady. Um, but is there a real lady in this one? There's the the Nazi. Like the Nazi, yeah, the hot Allison Duty, the hot Nazi. She's the hottest of all of them. That's she's true. Also, she's also the youngest, so it's not a straight comparison. But. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Indiana Jones was a, you know, he was the the vision of a, what a man should be. At the he, time. he was a vision. Um, but you know, we're we're getting into the little plot before we've gone through my personal favorite segment. So, um, Ooh. without further ado, play the drop, Brennan. Brennan's bad synopsis. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm gonna try to give a do my my bad synopsis. Uh, hmm. Let's go. Indiana Jones. What's that? Dance monkey. <laughs> Indiana Jones. So the movie starts out with a young Indiana Jones with River Phoenix. He's actually, I don't know if he found some artifact or he's. I don't really know. There's a beginning of this movie where they kind of set up of how Indiana Jones gets fedora. That's a that goes into the main movie um to be completely honest i don't remember how this movie starts of why he's like on the trail to go find the um the find I'm losing my train of thought 
Um, the, the one guy put him up to it, the Denholm Elliott guy. Oh, okay, yeah. And so, yeah, he's looking for the the. My God, why can't I think of what the stupid the, cup is called? The Holy the Grail. Grail? The, the Holy Grail. And so, I will say, like, they were getting back to the roots because the first movie was about finding the the Ark, and now they're getting back to more biblical stuff with finding the Holy Grail. And so he goes on a on a journey to find the Holy Grail, and they have action sequences, and then they stumble upon the the first clues and everything happens so quickly and then they and then it turns out that his dad's a part of this too like he's looking for it as well and and then they find it that's it that's really the plot of the movie there's a bunch of shit that happens in the middle of it and we'll get into all that i'm sure because adam's gonna explain a lot better than i did you totally just phoned it in what the hell was that (laughs) i'm so bad in an indiana jones synopsis they're looking for the Holy Grail. All right, well, at least start in Venice. Well, I don't know that part of it that well. What do you mean like, you I can't know that. There's only like step, three parts. I give you a step-by-step guide of where the movie goes. Well, that's what like, a synopsis that's... is. Oh, okay. I could just read you a synopsis. <laughs> I could just start doing that. <laughs> no, the point is that you're supposed to suffer through it. I make fun of you and our fans get to enjoy it. The point is not for you to read something somebody else wrote online. Well, I'm sorry, Adam. Are you? Because I feel like you know this dance. Yeah, but the, this is why it's called the bad synopsis because I do a shitty job at it. Yeah. So, so the, this old American guy whose name escapes me, um, Jonathan, was that his name? Denholm Elliott? Yeah. So Jonathan. Jonathan asks Harrison Ford to help him find the grail and that his father might be in trouble. And so Indiana Jones... Harrison Ford goes to Venice and meets the super hot Nazi chick played by Allison Doody, who was actually only like 21 or 22 years old at the time this movie was shot. Mm. Although she's playing someone much older. She's playing someone close to her 30s, and she pulls it off. She has a very mature look. Um, Anyway, so he and this hot blonde kind of go through this adventure beneath a library in Venice, and there's all these like nasty rats, and they're looking for... They're looking for um, a knight, a scripture. They're looking right? for scripture on the shield of a of a fallen knight that's mm-hmm. related to this to this story to this parable. So they go under the library with all these nasty rats, and there's like a there's like a floor a floor of petroleum. There's like a layer of like gas, I guess, on top. Th- this is the part that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like there's a little bit of water down at the bottom of this building in Venice. But it's gassy water, I guess. And so they've got these dudes that are trying to protect the grail after him in the hot blonde. And they set the whole place ablaze. So Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones and this hot blonde are like running through this gas water full of rats that's now on fire. And they dive beneath the surface and they flip over the grail's coffin and they're underneath the coffin. And somehow they swim out of there, which doesn't make any sense because I thought it was, you know, fuel. Like Harrison Ford like opens his eyes in the fuel and is like, oh look, fuel. And then he like swims lower out of it doesn't make any sense, really. It doesn't make any sense. They surface, uh, and then there's those guys that are there to protect the grail again, and they chase them through this cool boat scene where the somebody's boat gets fucked up by this giant propeller. And then they Indiana Jones decides to spare his life, and the guy says, Oh, by the way, your dad's being held at this castle near Germany, Austrian border. And Harrison Ford's like, oh, thanks. Glad I didn't kill you because I never would have found my dad. But then, like, the next scene, him and the hot blonde are at, like, this castle full of Nazis. 
and he's trying to save his dad, who's played by none other than Sean Connery, who was like, you know, Sean Connery's gone through this like weird phase in his life right there, and where he was like, everybody knew he was like cool and popular from Bond, like the old Bond movies, but he hadn't actually done a ton of cool shit between Bond and the 90s. Like, this was almost like his resurgence into being cool, if you ask me. Um, yeah, for sure. Go, I mean, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was so, I was watching the movie and I was so confused of why his dad appeared. Like, his dad was, was his dad just looking for this? Like, there's no mention of his dad much at all in one and two, obviously. I mean, I, I think this is just like, you know, kind of retconning his life, uh, Indiana Jones' life to add a new character and make it a little bit more exciting. But like, so his dad's just off looking for this as well and not, not asking his son, who's like, who does this for a living as well, to help him out. He's just yeah. like, yeah, the, the dad and the father and son aren't close, so they're not sharing life secrets together. The father was captured by the Nazis. Who were at? Who were after? They were after Sean Connery's diary to help mm. them solve the secrets of the Holy Grail. And I, I don't really know exactly how that happened, but Indiana Jones shows up at this castle, and his dad is captured by the Nazis. So getting this like fun kind of fight chase scene where he's got to save his dad, and then lo and behold, they find out the hot blonde chick is a Nazi, and she's working with the Nazis. So, oh well, they had sex, but nothing more is going to come of it. So Indiana Jones's dad have to like escape the Nazis at this point. And that this this takes the movie on like an hour long chase scene, really, where mm -hmm. a bunch of different stuff keeps happening. Like at first they're in this burning building, and then like Indiana Jones and his dad are on like one of those motorcycles with little sidecars and they're fighting Nazi motorcyclers. And then they're in a plane at one point, and Indiana Jones's dad is the gunner and he shoots up his own tail fin. And then they're in another car at some point. Then they're in a blimp. Like it's just this set piece after set piece of of action, running away escapism with the two yeah. Indiana Joneses getting away from Nazis, and in like sort of fun, creative, exciting ways. You never really feel like Indiana Jones's dad are in that much trouble. You never really feel like they're gonna die. I mean, it's kind of a fun action movie, right? So I wouldn't say this is like perilous exactly. But Indiana Jones's dad work their way up until the site of where the Holy Grail is, which is in the canyon of the Crescent Moon out in the desert somewhere. And there, there's this really cool chase sequence where the Nazis have a tank and like Indiana Jones and his dad have like camels and horses and they're fighting this tank and they, the tank goes over the cliff and then they have to go in, they have to go in the Holy Grail room, which is like, um, it's like this three chambers of, you know, tests that a man has to pass to reach the Grail room to pick the grail, which grants the user everlasting life. And that is what the Nazis are after. They're after this relic that grants everlasting life. And Indy and his dad are after it because it's sort of like his dad's life work is finding this grail. And his dad's life work is being harnessed by the Nazis for their own gain. And Indy has to stop it. And that's the movie. That's, that's, that's the movie. And I should mention, big plot point in there is Indy's dad gets shot and so then at the end, like he gets the, he, he finds the real Holy grail and then has his dad drink out of it. And then his dad survives. There's a really so. good way to like, they're always talking in writer's rooms and writer's classes. They're always talking about how do you keep raising the stakes? And what that means is the audience kind of knows what everyone's going for, but how do you keep changing it? So the audience doesn't know. So like in this movie, 
everybody knows that Indy and the Nazis are both chasing for the grail. Like the audience knows that. But then yeah. at the end, the Nazis shoot Sean Connery. So now not only does Indy has to, has to, has to find the grail. Otherwise his dad's going to die. You know, that that's yeah. a really good example of raising the stakes. Who he's just reconnected with his father of his long lost father. Estranged. Um, this last this last scene or this last set piece of them being in the getting the grail is is such a really is a really because they're the the puzzles are really interesting like he has to like step on certain stones to spell something in in latin and it's not you know and and he gets through it after like they the nazis keep on sending people after people and they keep on getting killed um yeah but, but you're, the, getting, you're getting into our favorite scenes brennan oh there's a favorite scenes part oh yeah, yeah. there is we'll, we'll get into that later um, so we'll talk about that all later. Perfect. <laughs> Let's talk about our favorite characters first. I love it when Brennan gets kind of caught red hand and doing something, then he tries to redirect. It's like, oh, so we'll talk about that later. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into our best scenes, let's get into our favorite, favorite, best characters. That's not what we're calling it, but uh, our best characters. I mean, we can't go any further than Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford obviously was... One in another, probably one of the greatest franchises of all time, Star Wars. You know, as um, you know that rascal guy. <laughs> Why can't I think of his name? Han uh, Solo. Han Solo. <laughs> Say that um, rascal guy. The rascal. It's <laughs> like the way somebody's grandma would describe him. You know that rascally character. Uh, you know, and then he was in The Fugitive, Air Force One, a bunch of movies in the nineties, uh, and. And he's still reprising his role as Indiana Jones all these years later. Um, so you put a note in here about an interesting fact. And I thought it was a really interesting fact because Tom Selleck was originally cast as Indy, but uh, he decided to do Man Magnum P.I. instead. Um, I listened to a podcast about, you know, about Raiders of the Lost Ark. And they were like, would this movie be better or worse with Tom Selleck? Like, what do you think? Does Tom Selleck, I don't think Tom, I think, the, I think, I think it's more campy with Tom Selleck. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's so hard to say, you know, we, we could, we could speculate all day. Tom Selleck's a great actor. And this mm -hmm. movie, this movie was going to be great. It had Spielberg and George Lucas as part of the story. It had a great production. So I struggle to see a world where, you replace Harrison Ford with Tom Selleck and the movie isn't still a success. Now, right. now who could say that it would be the same as this? Probably a tall order to say that it's as popular as this franchise and got all the sequels and all that. But I, I'll, especially the first one, Tom Selleck in Raiders of the Lost Ark, that would still be like a really popular 80s movie, I'm sure. I think it would be. One of the, the key things about it, though, was that Tom Selleck was going to keep his mustache. Had Tom Selleck took the role and kept his mustache, I think this would this movie would have aged differently because Indiana Jones with a big bushy mustache and not like just like kind of you know because Indiana Jones goes from clean shaven to like kind of just you know five o'clock shadow and he looks a lot more rough and I think he I think the movie ages better with him out without a mustache. I'll just say that. That's a good point. Um, that's something you don't really think about at the time, right? Like how's, how's this mustache going to age 35 years from now? Right. Um, you're probably right. 
that those 70s and 80s porn mustaches do look a little funny now on anybody, even the best of them, even the best like Tom Selleck. Um, so that, that's a fair point. But just in terms of like the acting chops, I don't, to this day, I don't see Harrison Ford as this vastly better actor than Tom Selleck. I, I think they're in the same ballpark entirely. And, and they have a lot of the same sort of like machismo things going on, especially at that time range. So, you know, I, I have faith that a Tom Selleck Indiana Jones franchise would still be pretty good. I just think Harrison Ford said plays such a good asshole that I think that's one of the greatest like character pieces of Indiana Jones is that he's not he's he's not a really nice guy. He's gruff. He's he's kind of unhappy. He's yeah, he's just a little bit of an asshole. And and I, I like that about Harrison Ford. He plays that role well. And I and I, I've read things about him on set that would say that like he doesn't he doesn't work on his lines with people. He just like he goes to his trailer. He work. He's probably just not a very fun actor to work with. Um, and he just he just shows up to set, reads his lines, and then he he's, he does it. You know, he's just kind of a he's kind of an a hole, just like Indiana Jones. All right, so. good for him. Um, <laughs> so we we have pulled some uh, some good. We got this one good cut of uh, Indiana Juniors. Indiana Jones, call, don't call me Junior. I came here to save you. Oh yeah? And who's gonna come to save you, Junior? I told you. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, Harrison Ford's got a little bit of that edge, maybe a little more edge than Tom Selleck. Um, uh, I will say, there's this running theme in all the uh, Indiana Jones movies like that they, they they stick on for every every movie like the first movie it was oh there had to be rats or had to be oh no had to be snakes uh, like he hates snakes and so like snakes show up a lot in the first movie in this movie it's about he didn't he doesn't he w doesn't want to live in the shadow of his father and so people will call him junior and he's like don't call me junior and so that's like a running theme of the movie is like don't call me junior um, and uh because it, it's revealed later is that is that his real name isn't Indiana Jones, it's really whatever his dad's name is, and the name his name he got Indiana Jones from his dog's his dog, and he liked Indiana Jones better. Yeah, who names themselves after the dog? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like his name is like uh, Henry. Yeah, his it's Doctor Henry Jones Jr. And yeah. Uh, and then he's, he's like, like, "Don't call me Henry. I want to be called with the. I want to be called Indiana. Wouldn't like your mom be like, that's the dog's name. We're not calling you the dog's name." <laughs> Ironically, Indiana Jones's uh, son in the fourth movie is Mutt. So uh, he has a son in the fourth movie. Yes, yeah, Sh Shia LaBeouf. Oh right, right. Well, you know what? Get to the fourth movie later. I don't. I don't want to yeah, cross, uh, cross peace streams here. Obviously, our our second favorite character is. Uh, is Dr. Henry Jones, Sean Connery, James Bond. Uh, you put Dragonheart in here. Like, I don't. That's He's a the voice, voice of the dragon in Dragonheart, which was an Academy Award nominee. I think it may even have won. I, all I remember is him going, I am the last one about dragons. <laughs> I definitely remember seeing that movie in the theater. Um, you can't escape Sean Connery's voice. And when his voice appears in something, you know it's Sean Connery. Um, and then The Rock. And The Rock, which I've which I've famously told you I've never seen. Yeah, what uh, a travesty that you you do a podcast on the '90s and you've never seen the second or third best '90s action movie ever. 
Well, you know, now I get to go watch it and we can do a show on it. Perfect. Well, the, um, for all normal people that have already seen The Rock, I think a lot of people would say that The Rock is um, Sean Connery's oh. best action movie. And when you are in a dozen Bond movies and an Indiana Jones movie, that's saying something. Yeah. So the, I, I've, I've heard oh, that. Oh, and the rest in peace, Sean Connery, who passed away, what, maybe about a year ago now or, or within the last year? I mean, you know, I think it's. He has such a, a sad. I think he has kind of a sad career because he stopped acting after 2003 um, when he was in the movie The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and sucked. and the movie sucked, and that's why he stopped acting because he's just like I don't have the chops to be in action movies anymore, and so he just he stopped, and and I think that's just because he did because like the his last good movie was probably The Rock, and then he was in The Avengers, Entrapment, where he met his. Uh, future what no he didn't meet is his future his wife isn't Catherine Zeta Jones that's a different old man that's my if, if it is he really did well <laughs> uh and then <laughs> that's like 40 years <laughs> <laughs> and then finding Forrester uh you're the man now dog <laughs> um <laughs> but, you remember yeah, that yeah. from the trailer <laughs> from finding Forrester yeah the, uh, the trailer of finding Forrester there was like a there was a, a shot of Sean Connery going, "You're the man now, dog." <laughs> he's, wow, that doesn't. Eat well. <laughs> me and my friend Rhett used to, me and my friend Rhett used to say that to each other in high school. Um, yeah, but they brought in Sean Connery to kind of give a, like Temple of Doom. I, I think it was a success, like on in the box office, obviously because Indiana Jones. But like with the critics, it was panned like because it was it just went off like it just went off from what made Raiders of the Lost Ark so good like about with the Nazis and them finding like a biblical um treasure and then it go and then it's set in I don't remember where um Temple Doom set imagine Bangkok. you will go to Bangkok <laughs> and yeah it's a, and there's a lot of weird shit happened in Temple of Doom like children slaves children getting killed like a lot of children dying in it. Um, they also introduced like a really like they introduced data um, from uh, Goonies. Uh, that actor who plays him, he plays like Indiana Jones a sidekick. Yeah. Um, thank you for. Uh, but yeah, it's just like the movie isn't. It's really it's darker and it's just not as it's just you know not it wasn't Raiders and it and so they went got back to what made Indiana really good in this and they brought in another famous actor you know james bond sean connery to kind of play off of off of indiana jones which i thought was which they're them acting together is really really good um ironically his dad sean connery is like only 12 years older than uh harrison ford so like uh so sean connery's playing a lot older and i guess harrison ford's playing younger i don't know <laughs> um but I well that realistically was you only need to be about 20 years so I guess if, if you only need to hide about eight years in movie makeup you can do that let's play you uh one of sean connery's dr henry jones's best lines i suddenly remembered my charlemagne let my armies be the rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky so obviously that's a reference to he they were getting chased by a an airplane and and Sean Connery takes like an umbrella and makes all these makes all these birds fly up in the air and 
basically they fly into the propellers of the plane and the plane crashes and like they get and he saves a day and that's what he's that's his i don't really get the line actually <laughs> charlemagne is just a poem he talks about oh. the birds in the sky oh okay and that's i get you or not so. a poem or like a a speech maybe charlemagne gave yeah a anyway um okay so yeah the two main characters are are, are great harrison ford and sean connery you're not going to do a lot better than that um, a few other characters in the movie want to get to real quick. Um, John Reese davies who was Gimli in Lord of the Rings. He was also in the movie The Great White Hype, which is this funny mid-90s boxing movie that I like. Um, he was also the professor in the 90s show Sliders, which will take a quick moment to plug one of our former episodes, which you can actually find twice in the Super mm -hmm. 90s Brothers podcast library find our sliders episode it is the same episode both times so we posted it twice because we like it so much because that show yeah. was fucking hilarious so that check out our, our, probably our best show we've i mean probably our funniest show we've ever done yeah if you can get over the, the bad early audio quality it's very funny um uh, so definitely listen to it with headphones if you guys are going to check it out Allison Duty we mentioned is like the hot nazi blonde chick she was also the hot nazi blonde chick in major league two um, and, uh, she was, she was Rick Vaughn's like real girlfriend, the first half of the movie before he breaks up with her for like a, a younger one. <laughs> mm. Do you remember that? He's only, only in league of their own two, not league of their own two. Uh, and that's a, what she's, is she just famous for Indiana Jones? Like, I don't Yeah. I, yeah. She's yeah. really only been in Indiana Jones three and major league two. And she did like a couple other things nobody's ever seen, but interesting. Um, but yeah, huh. the, and Allison Duty, like she bangs both Doctor Joneses. Ow, <laughs> she does. Um, you know? cool. For especially kind of cool for Sean Connery. I mean, that's really like a, that's really like a. Hey, I can still this dog can still hunt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then uh, River Phoenix. Brennan mentioned River Phoenix. We're both big River Phoenix fans. Brennan and I. Um, he was obviously in Stand by Me and Running on Empty and Explorers, amongst other things. Also, rest in peace, River Phoenix. Yeah, that his. I feel. I mean, obviously, I feel like his brother has really, you know, carried a light for his for him. But like River Phoenix is he he's on that James Dean level of like, what if River Phoenix was still alive? Because River Phoenix was just he was he was just such an amazing he was he could have been just such an amazing actor. He probably would have gone the way of like you know other. You know, famous eighty actors who, yeah, you know, got into the, addiction. The, the star like, of um, what's that stupid show on HBO that I hate about Marky Mark's life with I'm Adrian sure. Adrian Grenier. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about uh, Entourage. Entourage, yeah, he probably would have been like the star of his own Entourage by like late '90s. But still, what if would be a fun game to play with him? Um. Yeah, and I mean, and then he—he's only in this movie for you know really like fifteen minutes. He's in it for the very not even, like yeah, not even. Uh, and I don't—he doesn't go on to play young Indiana Jones like in the series either. No, right? the series like, was shit. Okay, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he was—he was in it, and he—that's how they explain how Indiana Jones gets his hat. Um, I also. You're gonna say, do you have anything else to say about River Phoenix? No, you know, I, I talk about his scene a little bit in favorite scenes, so we can get back to him then. Um, there's also this guy who plays like the he's like the American, like 
Nazi. He's the one that's looking for the he's looking for the grail. And I always thought it was a guy from MASH. Um, and he's like he's another he's like an older uh, the main guy from MASH. Like an, yeah, the uh, not Alan not Alan Alda, but like uh, is it Alan Alda? Maybe it is Alan Alda. Yeah, it's Alan Alda. Uh, I always get Alan Alda and Alan Arkin's names confused, but I know who they are if you can show yeah. me a picture. It's Alan Alda. Um, I always thought it was Alan Alda. It wasn't Alan Alda. Um, <laughs> no, it's like that Jonathan guy. Yeah, and then obviously reprising his role from the first movie, which is something that they talk about, is like is Salah Dim. Well, Salah, obviously, but Dimholm Elliot, he is, the, you know, the guy who gets your name, Mar- Marcus Brody. You called him Michael earlier, but Dimholm Elliot was a famous English actor, and he, you know, he Wait, played Dimholm like, like, Elliot is Marcus Brody. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought Dimholm Elliot was the name of the American Nazi. No, no, no. Sorry, Dimholm Elliot. Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, he plays the like the happy go lucky, like kind of funny um, British guy that works with Indiana Jones at the university and is also like jumps on board to kind of be a part of the journey in this one. Yeah. Marcus Brody's funny and he's, he's in it. He's in part one briefly. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are, those are some of my favorite. And then there's all the, the, the Nazis in it. I will say the other characters that are really random are the, um, I'm not sure what the who they are. Knight? The Grail Knights or the Grail Knight. The Grail Knight is really cool. Like he, there is an actor in it who plays like a Grail Knight who's like he's lived in this cave forever to like protect the Grail or be there for the like you know for the next people to come. He's in it, but like also there's the 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 characters in the movie that are protecting the Grail. Like they're like it's almost like they're the what do you call those people who uh, Knights of the Templar? Are they Knights of the Templar? Is that who they are? I guess anyway, Knights of the Graylar. You think they're bad guys in the beginning, but then they actually are good guys in the end. Um, You're talking about the Brotherhood of the whatever that. Yeah, the, the guy, Brotherhood. The, the guys brotherhood. that get eaten up by the propeller scene in the yes. in the Venice. Yes, but then it turns out they're they're good because they're, they're trying to good protect. all along. Um, but yeah, um, well let's uh let's take a quick little break, Adam, and let's get into you know one of our favorite recurring you know new set new um segments we're getting into tunes of the time it's the tunes of the time oh yeah tunes of the time yeah this is where i play you the number one song in america at the time this movie was released may 24th 1989 this is forever your girl by paula abdul Okay, wrap it up. I had to get to the forever your girl part. I had to get to the the, the line of the song. It took too long. Forever your girl. <laughs> forever your girl by Paula Abdul. Um, wow. of all the Paula Abdul songs, it had to be this one. I've never. I honestly don't remember this. I have song. no idea what the song is. I was hoping you knew. I had no idea. I I remember the Paula. Like, Abdul, do you remember there's like a Paula Abdul song where she's like with a cartoon cat? Yeah, and that, that his, I think that guy actually sings in the song for at the very beginning of that of that clip I played. He, yeah, he there. 
it's weird. Um, yeah, I do remember that song. There's Paul Abdul is like kind of obscure because she I don't know if she has like, like that many great hits, but she was really famous in the early 90s and then obviously became famous later in the early 2000s for being on uh, American Idol. And she was also a, she was a Laker, Laker girl, right? With uh, Rosie Perez. I have no Laker uh, girl. Rosie Perez was on In Living Color. Oh, Rosie Perez was on Living Color. Paul Abdul was a Laker girl. Also, Paul Abdul in one of our favorite other 80s movies, uh, Can't Buy Me Love. Um, she like plays like the the coach. Oh, I didn't uh, truly. I didn't remember that at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is a song that existed, and it. I, I don't remember it at all. I don't um, remember it at all either. I was hoping you did. The, the The music video is really corny. It's mostly black and white. It's a bunch of like little child actors doing like a talent show or something. It's very unimpressive. Whatever they're doing. And they're, speaking of unimpressive, Paula Abdul's dancing in the video. She looks like she's doing jazzercise. It looks like everybody's aunt who's sweating to the oldies. Like for what qualified as dancing in the late 80s is just a joke these days. It's it's a joke. I'm embarrassed for her. That's really funny you say that because the first comment on this on this video says, it still amazes me how precise and clean and fast Paula's moves were. She's such an outstanding dancer and choreographer. So you're saying that because some random person commented on a YouTube video that invalidates my point? No, it doesn't. I just feel like that's funny that that's the first comment on YouTube is how great her dance moves were. I'm sure it was posted <laughs> by some like like fifty four year old woman. Yeah, I will say like the they're making kind of fun of or playing off of like other eighties vi music videos at the time. I don't know which ones are they exactly. Yeah, that's what they're kind you of playing. Do you off think of. it's a joke? I don't know if it's a joke or they're just like kind of mimicking or kind of like. I just think yeah, it's. it's like, I don't think that's the style at the time. It sucks, and they all suck. Yeah. It's just, it's a really bad. It's a really bad. Uh, yeah, I have absolutely no bad. memory of this song, none. And and since since this this tunes of the time wasn't that great this week, we have a new a new segment for you guys. Ow! What's it called, Brennan? It's called this. I mean, it's called "Where's My Snack Pack," but I got a clip for you instead. Where's my snack pack? You've got a banana. You don't need no snack pack. You know I like snack pack. Why can't you just give me a snack pack? All right, so this is this is our movie snack pack. This is where we're going to give some quick hitters on a few other movies that were in the theaters at the same time as Indiana Jones. So movies we probably wouldn't otherwise cover. Just here's what else was going on when Indiana Jones was out. We'll just give like a, a quick one to two sentence opinion on it. Uh, the first Oscar snub that was in the theater along with Indiana Jones Part 3 was No Holds Barred featuring Hulk Hogan and Tiny Lister. Was this, was this on your radar when you were five years old, Brennan? No. Did you ever see this movie? Don't know anything about it. Don't know anything about it's it. It's terrible. It's a total pile of shit. Don't ever watch it. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> um, but it was it was produced by Vince McMahon and WWF starring Hulk Hogan. They even like aired this movie as part of this weird double feature back in the day. Like you could order you would like order a pay-per-view and like during the pay-per-view you could watch this movie. There was something like that going on. Isn't that weird? So like that's really weird. So like the wrestling of the pay per view stops for everyone to sit and watch Noel's Bard, and then it like resumes again afterwards. Oh man, that sounds like awful. That sounds awful. That's awful. Could you imagine? <laughs> like you're you're I like a nice no. dad trying to put on a good face, trying to be like, okay, we can order the kids a pay per view, and then this fucking thing starts. You're like, what did I sign up for? <laughs> All right, um, that, uh, an uh, another movie that was uh, 
in the theaters at the time was Bad Taste. This was Peter Jackson's real first theatrical release, I think. Um, an indie in New Zealand about sort of like these big puppet alien cannibal things. It came out a year or so before Dead Alive. Dead Alive was vastly more popular, but Bad Taste holds a place in a lot of indie and horror lovers' hearts. Not mine, personally. I don't think it's all that great, but Bad Taste did come out at that same time. you ever seen Bad Taste? I've never seen Bad Taste, but I have a feeling that this movie never came out in the America at this time. Like, there's no way this movie was like playing next to like Indiana Jones. Oh, you're probably like, oh, you're, you're probably right. It was you're probably, it was just released <laughs> around that time. It was probably only available in like right. indie New Zealand theaters. You're probably right. And then um, also at that time, our favorite movie about pedophilia, Great Balls of Fire, starring um, Dennis Quaid and uh, the little girl from Beetlejuice, Winona Ryder. One on the right. Yeah. Have you seen and also Alec Baldwin's also Oh, in it. is he? Have um, you seen this movie recently? I've I've seen this movie a couple times, probably like in the nineties, and maybe I've watched it like on streaming like in the past like ten years. Um it's an I will say Dennis Quaid plays a really good Jerry Lewis, like a really eccentric like version of it. Like the, I mean if Jerry like Jerry Lewis was a weirdo and um and this movie was you know, fine for you know, at the for being a uh, like a. What do you, I know like what you're a, trying to say. Me, yeah, me yeah. and Jill and Landon and his girlfriend Mandy tried to watch this movie maybe three months ago, and we couldn't find oh, really? it anywhere. You couldn't even buy it off of Amazon for like three ninety nine. I have a feeling that it got kind of Harvey Weinstein mm. blackballed for its um, pedophilia themes. That's probably fair. I mean, it, it it's a real story. He did. I mean, Jerry Lewis did marry his cousin. So well, I know it's a like, real story, and, and the movie's not bad. And it's not like there's explicit contact. Like it's you know, right. It was just one of those things. Yeah. Somebody decided maybe this movie shouldn't be shown. But I've I've seen it when I was younger. I thought it was okay. Um, I yeah. would like to rewatch it just because I want to. I want to witness how they did those scenes as an adult. I want to see how they. You know, I mean, I'm curious to see how they did that movie, and I couldn't rewatch it, which was kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, you want to do the next one? Yeah, I'll do this one because this is one of my favorite movies of all. I mean, as a kid, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids Ow. with Rick Moranis. Um, obviously, it's about a dad shrinking his. I mean, uh, kids actually getting shrunk, and then they have an adventure through the backyard trying to of, find their get to the house to you know, get unshrunk of all the movies, of all the <laughs> movies on our quick hitter list. This is the only one I almost didn't put on there. Cause I could see us actually doing this movie one day as a full episode. I could see us doing like honey. I blew up the kid maybe. And then kind of touching on honey. I shrunk the kid. Maybe. I don't know. What? It was this you mean reverse I, that. You're right. We can probably do honey. I shrunk the kid someday because it's, it's a pretty good movie. I just don't think there's as much to talk about. So no, there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's the yeah. shrinking, the kids, there's the blowing up of the kids and there's the, the hilarity that ensues. <laughs> Honestly, these next three on the list, I mean, I they could all be on the list of movies that we could do. Um, no, I could never. Dead I could Man. never do Ghostbusters two. Let's do Ghostbusters two next. That movie's a pile of shit. Ghostbusters two sucks. It flat out it sucks. sucks. Yes, it's it very much sucks. Um, I can. I don't even not- really know what's going on in Ghostbusters two. I know there's like an evil painting, and there's some sort of like pink, pink like sludge or something. I. I yeah, it's like underneath this, like underneath the, the the city of New York. Yeah, it, it, the movie doesn't make sense. Um, 
But, uh, it, you know, it was a good, it was a fun movie to see as a kid. No, it wasn't. It was a bad movie to see as a kid. It was a stupid movie. It's not a good movie. It just held the title of Ghostbusters, so we all saw it. And it had a, a, a song tie-in which, with Bobby Brown, which was amazing. Yeah, um, and, and Dana has a baby, but it's not with Venkman. That's true. Whose fucking baby what? is that? Well, like, when Ghostbusters ends, those two are boning. That's fair. I mean, I, I don't like that. I can't, I can't, can't explain. I can't explain that. Um, Dead Poet Society, Robin Williams. Does he win? He didn't win an Academy Award for this. I don't believe no, I didn't. Look, or did he? I didn't look that up, but it wouldn't be surprising. That uh, is a terrific movie. That's the best movie on this list. I, you know, I think they did a, I think he was nominated. I think they did a, you know, famously later won an Academy Award for the Matt Damon movie. And that was like, you know how like Anthony Hopkins wins an Academy Award for 15 minutes in, not even 15 minutes yeah, in yeah, yeah. that one movie, but like this, yeah, there was like a change, like giving him the, the award when he didn't deserve it um, for the being snubbed and dead post society. And then I, we will do this movie someday if this movie came out at the same time, because I love this movie Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. There is actually so much you could talk about in this movie because it is easily one of the, I don't even know how what genre this movie fits in because it's an action movie, but it's also like somewhat of a, a comedy, somewhat of a drama. There's uh, it's such there a, was this whole such a good there was movie. this genre in the '80s and early '90s defined as your lead character has to have a really good body and he has to be able to fight. That's what genre yeah. Roadhouse is. But it's so, but it's such a a campy movie, and it's. But at the same time, it's so bad it's good. Didn't they remake it with Ronda Rousey or some shit? Oh, probably. I think they probably remade it a couple times, actually. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm so also in the, also in the, also in the top ten greatest um, franchises of all time. Roadhouse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so so well, that's our movie snack pack, which we're gonna try and do every once in a while. Um, of those of those movies, I've probably seen Honey I Shrunk the Kids the most, and I would think that Dead Poet Society is the best. Agreed. I'll, I'll and Ro- Roadhouse I'll, is the most fun. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, uh, let's get back to Indiana Jones in the in his very last crusade because this is a third movie of a, a trilogy that's a head never, fake. Never going to happen. It wasn't his last crusade. They lied to us. There, there <laughs> would be more crusades. Um, well, let's get let's get into the first. Uh, let's get into the first scene of the movie, the opening scene. Uh, it, it's River Phoenix. He's on a tr- he's on a circus train. Oh, that's right. He's he's basically there is these people that are. I guess it basically that basically him and the what he's going to be like in the future. They're advent- I don't know if they're advent- they're I don't know if they're archaeologists. I don't know if they're actually bad guys. I don't think they are. All right, I'm taking o- I'm found- taking over. They find this artifact, and now but Indiana Jones is like that needs to be in a museum because I'm a Indiana Jones and artifacts need to be in museum. Yeah, he comes across and- as such a Karen at the scene where like <laughs> like these archaeologists find this ancient treasure. And they're like, oh my god, look at this treasure we just dug up in the fucking desert out in the middle of nowhere. And then this little like annoying kid, Cub Scout kid, shows up and he's like, this belongs in a museum! You need to put this in a museum! Which is exactly what they're doing. Um, I think right. No, they're or they, no, they're not. They're they're just. Or they are bad. They're guys. out. Mm. They're grave robbers. Really, they've just paid off the local sheriff or whatever. That's right. But yeah, it's a really good scene with uh. They get on a a circus train with snake, which is you know the 
the emphasis is the emphasis impetus impetus to why he's afraid of snakes um because he falls like in a little snake pit. it's like how it's how batman becomes batman this is how indiana jones becomes indiana jones right. and becomes afraid of snakes and here's a here's a, a line from the the alpha or the not the alpha the beta um indiana jones you lost today kid it doesn't mean you have to like it <laughs> what you lost today kid doesn't mean you have to like it. it means that what does that mean it means that just because you lost doesn't mean that you're in the wrong like that's what he was saying to him yeah and so this guy is basically indiana jones before indiana jones he wears a fedora and then he famously gives indiana jones his fedora which he then which he then like I don't know if they do a fade or whatever, but then it yeah they do like a they set the hat down on the kid and then that zooms in on the hat. And then it, when it zooms out, he's Harrison Ford now. Which is yeah, I thought that was a really the that was a fun scene. It is a it was fun a good scene with the snakes and the lion, and then there's like this scene where the Ryan like River Phoenix and some other like bad guy are fighting on top of this rhino car, and the rhino mm, keeps yeah. bucking its horn upward up near their junk. And freaking them out. Yeah. It's funny. Um, yeah. And then another good scene in the movie is, well, you mentioned this before, is when Indy and the hot Nazi blonde girl go to the grail underneath the library. There's this cool, like, X marks the spot trope in it. I mentioned the rats and the, the gas water that somehow Indiana can see through underwater. They explode everything, like the the brotherhood of the grail, like, set the whole thing on fire and so everything blows up. And so Indy and the hot blonde are like swimming underneath ex like a fireballing rats. It's just a, it's a cool, fun little scene. I got um, very, very many nits to pick with this entire scene. First of all, X marks the spot. Seriously, they, so we've gone almost, you know, 1900 years of trying to find the Holy Grail and like Indiana Jones just shows up in this temple in like Venice and it's like he just finds it. Yeah. Immediately. Like he finds the X mark. Like no one, no one's or I guess the grail grail keepers know where it's at. Um, because they're protecting it. Um, but he but like Indiana Jones is then gets underneath the, the building. He's afraid of snakes, but he he's fine with his rats crawling all over him. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, really. I think he'd be more afraid of rats. Rats carry way worse plagues and shit than snakes. And then the petroleum, like, I don't understand. I guess, yeah, petroleum's lighter than water, so it would be on the top. But, like, where did the petroleum come from? Like, does Venice just have a really bad pollution problem where petroleum's just, like, seeping into the ground? Well, um, like, the depth, the depth levels don't make any sense either in this scene where, like, the water is and whatnot because they're in Venice. And you know, like, the right. you know the... The water temple in Zelda, how when you like when you set the water mm. depth, it affects the whole level. Yeah. Well, that doesn't seem to work in this movie because the the where the where the water depth is in Venice is above where the water depth is in this tomb. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And then the last piece that does not make any sense is that basically they the way they escape is through a manhole. Yeah, That's, they swim deeper. Oh, yeah, they swim deeper. So, like, basically, you know, Venice, the people who put in these, that were putting in the sewer system, like in the, the 40s or the 30s, they had already came across this 
you know, tomb and they just ignored it. Right. Yeah. So really <laughs> they, they dug a way out, but they dug it straight down and curving so that like, <laughs> so that if you want to get out, you have to, if you want to get up, you have to swim down first <laughs> and then climb up. Yeah. The next scene, uh, you know, there's a lot of chase scenes in this movie. I, I think the, I mean, the horse and camels versus the term German take scene is, is is really funny <laughs> like it it's doesn't so make realistic. much fucking sense it's so realistic um nothing about indiana jones ever makes much sense like no. he he doesn't get shot i don't think he ever gets it's, shot it's he not that he doesn't get shot like, it's right, that right. nazis stop firing their guns when he's around they like all decide to go punch and kick instead like moments before or after <laughs> just shooting their firearms yeah, yeah, and then, but then when Indiana Jones when Indiana Jones shoots people, he shoots one bullet and it goes through three people. Theoretically, he must have the strong. That gun must be really strong. Could happen, right? It could happen. I guess, it could. I guess if they're all lined up like that, it just it, it's a kind of stupid. <laughs> um, is this? It, this is after the the when they fly off the off the the zeppelin, right? This is after the Zeppelin. Yeah, they're all like, okay. they're all like uh, his dad, Sean Connery, is, and and Marcus Brody are trapped inside a tank with the Nazi general. And Indy and Salah are on their horses and camels trying to get them back. Right. Oh, and this is when the tank goes off the edge. His dad, Marcus Brody, and Salah all like kind of stand at the edge and they think Indiana Jones is dead. Yeah, and then Indy kind of like shows up and looks down the cliff with them like, what are you guys looking at? <laughs> um, and then, well, let's play this drop for you that have, really does not make any sense for... No, it's just, a good, it's just a good drop. I didn't know you could fly a plane. Why, yes! Land, go! I really like that scene a lot is because like they get into this plane and off the zeppelin like so basically the zeppelin's like they're basically i don't know where the zeppelin's going i think it's going to like alexandria no no it's not it's just leaving berlin it's leaving berlin but then like all of a sudden they're like they know that they're on the on the on the blimp and they're turning around and so indiana jones and his dad like get off try to they get off the blimp and take this plane that's attached to it i guess it's probably a thing that exists <laughs> and uh yeah and they fly away and then like they get chased by these you know Nazi planes as well, and uh, but like I think that how the dad is in the scene because like it's something that I would totally do if I was in a in a plane. Like I'm in the gunner seat, I'm like shooting these guys behind me, and then I would accidentally shoot the tail. Like I would do that. That is something I would do because I wouldn't be like aware enough to know that you, it wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, if I was Indiana Jones and you were in the gunner seat, you would shoot the tail. I probably end up shooting you. Yeah, I have no, uh, I have no <laughs> doubt that what you say is accurate. That I would not want you as my gunner if I'm Indy. I, you're 100% right. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's a fun scene. You know what? A lot of this movie works because it's Indy and his dad have kind of a weird relationship. It's not that like that they don't like each other, but it's not that like they do like each other either. They have sort of this complicated father-son relationship where they respect each other, but they don't really know how to communicate. Is there a reason why they don't like each other? Did they ever get into that? It, or is it just like... Oh, it, it, it gets into it very briefly, and it's a lot of, like, old father-son things. It's a lot of, like, okay. you know, I didn't know how to tell you how I really felt. You know, I was mm -hmm. uh, 
I was too focused on my work. I never told you enough about like the real me. I was too busy putting on a show and trying to raise you right. You know what I mean? There are a few, a very few lines between the two of them like that. Very scattered throughout this movie. It never becomes a heavy theme and there's no big come to Jesus scene about it either. It's very subtle. And then finally, the best scene in this entire movie is getting a Holy Grail. They found the tomb or the, the, where the, not the tomb. I guess it's not a tomb, but they're fine. They're, they find the Holy Grail. They find the crescent shaped. Um, they find this crescent shaped thing in the middle of nowhere that no one's ever found before. That And, and then they walk right up to the place where the, the grail is and they just go right into it. Who knew this place would exist? It's like it's like Disneyland, sort of. They get to the bottom of this crescent-shaped canyon, and there's like this big door. We're like, come on in! It's Holy Grail time. Yeah, but then they get in. Like the big scene, the big you know, they there's three trials to to get to the Grail: um, the Penitent Man, the Path of God, and then the Word of God. Um, and and during the scene, like so, at the very beginning of it, like for. I think it's actually the way of like the way of God, the path of God. The, it's not the first one isn't called the penitent man. It's just that's just what I oh, wrote there. Gotcha. But the first Sorry. trial, you have to be penitent. The penitent man kneels before God. <gasps> kneels. That's yeah. And uh, but the, to kind of get Indy to go through this trial, the guy, the bad guy, shoots his dad and something. He's like, now you have to do this or else your dad's going to die. Well, like Nazis kept dying. In the, in the in the trail, like they couldn't even get past the first trial, and the Nazis were like, "Well, fuck this! Let's make Indiana Jones do it." And he's like, "Fuck you! I'm not doing it." And they're like, "You will now," and he shoots Sean Connery. It's like now you have to get the Grail to save your father, otherwise your father's dead, you son of a bitch. And he Grail's like, "You motherfucker! Fine, I'll do it." Yeah, so he goes through these trials. Does does a, he kneels before God? The like the thing that's been cutting off everyone's head goes over Indiana's head, and then he goes through it. Then he goes to the path of God, which is like he has to spell out God in Hebrew or in Latin or whatever. But in Latin, Jehovah begins with an I. J. <laughs> During this entire time, Sean Connery is like like kind of dying and like he's like kind of talking to Indiana Jones the whole time. Or Indiana Jones is remembering everything his dad's saying, but his dad's saying at the same time. It's kind of weird. But the the coolest, I will say the, the coolest scene is like is when he's when they get to the the bridge that's invisible and you think like, Oh, this is like, this is not based in reality anymore because Indiana Jones has to like basically step out onto this path. that's like in this invisible path. It's like that doesn't exist. And then he steps onto it and it really isn't invisible. It is kind of matches the rock wall in front of it. And so he's just walking on this, this rock path that just looks invisible to, to the eye, which I thought was cool because it, makes it feel real versus like make it like this fantasy thing. Yeah. It's an optical illusion. Optical illusion. Thank you. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good, I agree. That's cool. But then, but then they get into the, the, into the, to the word of God where they have to find the right, the grail to drink out of, um, to get everlasting life. And in this grail room is the night that protects it. He's been here for 2000 years. He's been protecting the Grail, and uh, he's really, really old. And at that this at this point does not make any sense because if I'm protecting the Grail, I would have probably gave up after a hundred years and just like I would just walked out to that uh, path of God and just jumped off. Like I'm tired of I'm tired of protecting the Grail. 
Like, but no, but he's just been living there, drinking out of the out of the grail. But then they have to famously the the one guy, the the bad guy, I forget keep on forgetting his name. He has to drink they have to pick there's all these grail cups and like you have to pick the one that Jesus w- drank out of the 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 real holy grail. And the this guy famously or with the help of the Nazi girl p- they pick a a really this is what a a god would drink out of which is very flashy and not what Jesus would drink out of. And then he and he dies. He gets like he like I said, like we talked about at the beginning of the show. He just like really sticks with you. He you, drinks out of it and he goes from being You're kind of missing a, a, a key point of this. And the, the hot blonde chick tricks mm. the Nazi into drinking out of a gold cup when she knows and Indy knows that's not Jesus' cup. She uh, she's turning on the Nazis at that point, which is something that gotcha. kind of gets gets lost, and that's that the hot blonde chick chooses at the end to kill the Nazi and to share the cup with Indiana Jones. So she's not like, yeah. uh, she has good in her that was, that gets lost along the way. Yes, that's, that's, that's true. And, uh, and then Indiana Jones selects the correct cup, a cup that's fit for a carpenter. Jesus. It looks a carpenter and, uh, um, which is this crappy old he- wooden cup. It's not wooden, is it? Or I think it's gold. I think no, it's just I'm pretty sure it's wooden. It's I, wooden? I, I it's wooden? have a line saying sense. it would not be made of gold. Like he's a broke ass carpenter. That's fair. That I just thought it looked golden. I thought it looked like like old gold, but you're right. It is wood. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> like carpenter would not drink out of a gold cup. Right. Like where would he get the fucking gold cup? Right. Why is he? <laughs> Why is he working as a carpenter if he has a gold cup? <laughs> um. And so then he gets the that cup and then takes it to his father. But like the the thing about the Grail is that you can't take it from this temple. Like if you take it from the temple, then it's going to you can't break the seal of. There's like an entry seal. seal at the at the beginning of the the temple, and you can't take the like. So you can enjoy the cup in the temple, but that's it. So if you want to live forever, you can with the Grail Knight up in the tunnel playing fucking checkers. You can't leave. You can't go watch baseball games or have sex or do anything fun. So what the hell good is Everlasting Life playing checkers with the Grail guy? Speaking of the Grail guy, the actor to play the Grail Knight was originally cast to be Lawrence Olivier. Sir Lawrence oh, really? Olivier. Yeah, but he was he was so ill at the time of production that they recast him and he he passed like the next year or even like that oh. year. So interesting. Um, Lawrence Olivier did not get to play the Grail Knight, but he was the original choice. Interesting. That's an interesting fact. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, and then Andy gets it to his dad. His dad miraculously heals, and then um, the but then the 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 crazy, I meaning the crazy, but the the Nazi woman, she is taken over by greed and wants to take it out, and then the place falls crumbles to the ground and then yeah the hot nazi blonde chick gets carried away walks the grail past the seal where the knight told her not to and there's like an earthquake and she and the grail fall through this giant black hole in the earth presumably forever gone presumably i will say this i think they could have ran fast enough to get the grail out of there Oh, totally. Like there's, it's not like you're cast down by lightning or something. It's just a fucking earthquake. This could have been done. 
Yeah, they could have got the grail. They could have, but then the grail would have not worked outside of the temple. I'm assuming. Well, also, where are you going to get the magic water to fill? Like, is just any water work, or do you have to have the water from the grail room? I don't know. I thought the grail, you just drink from the grail. All I'm saying is, so, it seems like there'd be a lot of very specific rules when it comes to everlasting life. <laughs> it doesn't seem like the kind of thing you could bend. You know what I mean? Well, the, those are the, the the best scenes, and we're getting really long here. So let's keep on. I think let's get into the production history a little bit, and then we'll yeah. get into the dumb shit. So it was real quickly the production. As well. It was the movie was written by Jeffrey Bohm, who also wrote the Lethal Weapon franchise. He wrote the movie Inner Space, and he wrote the movie Lost Boys, which is one of my favorites all time. Um, pr oh, wow. Prior drafts for Indiana Jones three were penned by George Lucas and Chris Columbus. So hmm. the who's who of, of Hollywood screenwriters and directors at the time trying to get in on this movie, but it was Bohm's script that focused more on the relationship between Indy and his father that Spielberg hmm. went with. Interesting. So the movie was – what'd you say? That's a who's who. That's a who's who of like the franchise created by George Lucas, um, but uh, have like Chris Columbus working on the script, Spielberg directing it, John Williams doing the music. Yeah, it's just like it's a who's who of everyone. Yeah, obviously directed by Spielberg, who did the other Indiana Jones movie. He also did Jaws and Jurassic Park. Are those probably his big, big films that everybody knows about? Um, yeah. Real quick, we usually talk about dumb shit in movies. And uh, I want to talk briefly about some ongoing dumb shit in, in the Indiana Jones franchise. Um, mostly just the bad guys are just kind of worthless in these movies. Like the Nazi thugs were worthless in this one. They weren't very brutal. They keep conveniently forgetting when they have guns, they, they make decisions that don't make any sense. Like they, they have every opportunity to kill Indiana Jones and they don't. Instead, they choose to punch him or something. It's, yeah. it's this movie is the king of the convenient knockout. Like, if, if you don't want to kill somebody, but you need them knocked out for scene convenience, Indiana Jones franchise is the king of doing that. One punch, knockouts. There's there's one point in the movie where Indiana Jones, like, punches two guys at once at the beginning on the ship. Like, mm. he sort of, like, punches through one guy's face and hits the other guy's face, too, and they yeah. both fly back. That's oh, really God. difficult to do, let me tell you, folks. Um <laughs> That, uh, the knight, the grail knight at the end, I don't know what his motives were keeping the grail safe. Couldn't he have just thrown it down the black hole so that nobody got it? Wouldn't that also keep it safe? Like, I don't really get what he's doing there. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. I The whole, my biggest dumb shit about all these movies is how easy everything is to find. Like all these, like in the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I really don't know what they're finding in Temple of Doom really that well. Uh, that's the one movie I didn't go back and watch. But then in this movie, like everything's just easy to find. His like all the clues are there to like find this stuff. But then when they get to the place to find it, it's just like it's just right there. X marks marks the spot. Oh, where's the grill at? It's in this humongous temple that's in this canyon that has this. Like you said, it's just like wide open. Like people just walk right in there. Like this would have already been. This would have already been founded. Um, and like that's like a theme throughout all of Indy's movies. Like is this like how easy everything is to find even then like i mean especially in the fourth movie it's just like they just stumble upon every piece of the story to like to keep it moving and like there's no actually real like you're right it doesn't feel like no. legitimate archaeology at all no it doesn't. <laughs> i want a movie where they're yeah. just like brushing it like a dirt clod for two hours <laughs> and that's where and that's and that's when they when spielberg got into jurassic park yeah brushing it dirt clods <laughs> Yeah, you're uh, right. It's not very realistic, but I mean, archaeology isn't a very fascinating science. So I, I, you have to Hollywood it up a bit. 
Um, the one thing I will say is about the Indy giving his dad the drink out of the cup to to heal himself. By the way they're explaining it, you can only stay like eternal if you stay in there. Like if he just walked out, like if wouldn't he? If he walks out, isn't he unhealed? Does the wound is he, reopen? Or is this if the knight walks out, is he can he live with them for a little bit longer in like this, I don't this know. new world? I don't, like, I don't know. Who knows? It, it cured it cured Sean Connery's gunshot wound, which is all we needed it to do. So um so real quick, real, real quick, rank the indie movies. I'm gonna go one, three, two, four. I will go three, one. Four two, you putting two below four? You're joking. Yeah, you're joking. The I don't Temple of Doom is like has really problematic for one with it, all the it kids. It is problematic. But part four is a steaming pile of shit. You you've admitted that you've only seen you've only ever first fell half. asleep to four. Yeah, I've watched the first half and it was so bad. What I will say about the fourth one is at least it has like Indiana Jones like themes of like being always entertaining temple of doom is just like i don't think it's very entertaining throughout the entire movie like there's pieces of it that's just like super boring well, i like it because it's got horror themes so no that's fair um all right well i mean is there anything and else? i've actually watched, i've actually watched four and i actually it's it's enjoyable like i will say like if you want to do rotten tomato you want to guess the score I, for i don't want to for score? I, only because <laughs> we're running out of time but otherwise yeah. i would but uh, anyway we'll let you know after yeah, off air. we want to remind you guys to uh, plug our social mediums. Um, that's following us on Facebook and Twitter and Insta at Super 90s Bros. At you, email us Super 90s Brothers at gmail.com. Check me out, adampitzler.com at Bropo Mode. And uh, for Brennan Pointer, I am Adam J. Pitzler. This has been another swashbuckling episode of Super 90s Brothers, Indiana Jones style. Make sure you don't drink from the wrong grail or your body will shrivel up and rot too. Brennan, peace. <laughs>